started way back, you know, I probably watched uh, way too many um, uh, Perry Mason and, and uh, trial TV shows that I, I, I was just drawn to it. And I was drawn to communicating with people and problem solving. Uh, at one point, I actually was a business finance major undergrad in college, and I was thinking about going the investment banking route. I just felt um, that I could do a little more good for clients uh, in the legal profession, and I, and I, and I like communicating with people. And it was, it was very much, um, it, it really is a storytelling process, and it's, uh, I'm probably not that I ever really was an actor, but it, 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 it I'm maybe a frustrated actor at some point. And, uh, I like, uh, being in front of people and, and, and telling the story. And then that's, you know, what a lot of times what you're doing as an attorney, um, as the entertainment media side of things, uh, I was lucky enough to uh, meet my wife, um, early on and she's a film producer. And, uh, her family was, uh, deep in the, the, the film business. And when we got married as, you know, 20 somethings and I was the, uh, we would go to parties and we'd always have our friends who were in the entertainment space. And I was always the attorney at the table. So they would always turn to me and say, Hey, what do you think? Or can you help me with this project? Or, you know, I have this, uh, movie that I'm trying to get off the ground. And so. I kind of fell into it that way through, through friends and uh, family. So it was, um, but I've enjoyed it ever since. Yeah. So, so running through the, uh, uh, your, your, your practice right now, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the specialties that you have, uh, you know, and, uh, in, in where the sweet spot is, what is an ideal client? What are some of the projects that you, you know, you know, uh, loved working through in your career. Sure. Um, you know, I, I describe to people that my practice is really in complex business. Um, so I've covered, I've had clients in every aspect, um, of business, you know, real estate, uh, clients, I have, um, you know, big manufacturing clients, um, but I, I've been known mostly in the entertainment and media space. And when I say that, I'm really referring to the networks, the studios, um, newspapers, news organizations. Um, in the past, it's not so much uh, a big part of it now, but um, I, I did a lot of work in the past for CBS where we represented CBS News and also ABC, when they did a lot of um, hidden camera work, where they would do investigative reporting. It was it was more a thing in the 90s and early 2000s where they would do investigative reporting. They'd have to go undercover, and uh, very likely there would be a claim from the other side when they uncovered the the bad acts of somebody that it was either right of privacy, invasion of privacy. Um, uh, false light claims, showing somebody in false light, defamation. So I did a lot of that and uh, got exposed to that side of news gathering and 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 all of that. And then also copyright, trademark, um, intellectual property rights um, has been a big uh, issue, especially today. In the last year, I've done for some very well-known uh, songwriters and musicians, uh, and also television companies and film companies, um, some real cutting edge, um, 
copyright issues, which have to do with fair use and, and fair use is a big trend right now. In fact, there's a big case in front of the Supreme court that's going to be determined soon that, uh, will give a little more guidance to what is fair use. And just to backtrack, fair use has to do with when you're dealing with copyrighted material, when can somebody who is not the copyright holder, uh, access and use parts of somebody's copyrighted work in what we call fair use, uh, without getting a license, without paying for it. Um, and that's been a big issue in the courts. And so a lot of my clients in the entertainment media space, that's a very big issue for them. And, um, so we've been doing that. So, you know, my, 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 uh, clients, I, I've, I've been blessed to have a lot of great clients, um, you know, that are doing very interesting things. And that's the nice thing about being an attorney is that you get exposed to your clients who are doing so many things. And it's interesting from my standpoint, because to represent them properly, I need to really learn someone's business and what their objectives are, because the, the legal issues and the legal objectives and strategies need to coalesce with the, the business strategies. And you know what, you're doing your client a disservice if you're not looking out for making sure that what you're doing on the legal side, uh, isn't uh, complementary to the, um, to the business aspects of things. So I, I'm, I'm very keen on, on keeping track of what the business objective is and how I can support that as opposed to just going off. And, you know, sometimes I hear from clients where some lawyers are just focused on what the legal issue is, and they really don't tie it back to how it will impact the business side of things. So I think being a business major and finance major and, and, and having that background, I think I bring a little more of that perspective to what I do as an attorney. And I think a lot of clients appreciate that. Yeah. It's a unique skill set. Uh, there's that old saying that, you know, a person can't see the forest, but for the trees in front of them. And and um, Correct. It, it, and we recently saw in the news, this is more of a sensationalism, but the, the, the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard uh, a, a deal. And often, you know, when things go to trial, you know, it isn't necessarily what's right or wrong, but there seems to be a lot of drama uh, played out in the courtroom. So I'd like to focus a little bit on trial preparation, keeping focus. Uh, when, what goes into preparing a client for trial? Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned the Johnny Depp case. I think that's a really good example of kind of two dynamics that you, you, you really see play out in, in trials and, and tying to your question about tr trial preparation. It's a difficult thing to go to trial. Even, even the most sophisticated clients, the most, um, intellectual clients, um, uh, the most poised clients you go into trial, that's a different animal, you know, uh, than what most people do on a day-to-day -day basis. So you really do have to spend the time to prepare someone. And what we do is we really, I, I really focus on the details because when you're, when you're dealing with trials, it's all about details and you cannot leave something, um, unnoticed. And, and, you know, I think the Johnny Depp case, you know, showed some examples of you know, some different, um, ways, uh, people are perceived. And I think even getting down to appearances, uh, how a client appears in the courtroom, 
what what uh how you want them to appear what what are you trying to project to your audience which is either the judge or the jurors uh what's been interesting lately is that social media is becoming such a big you know deal and 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 has such a big influence that you now have to prepare and, and present your case not only to the audience in the courtroom but there's a public opinion courtroom that's going on in social media and, and Johnny Depp case was a prime example of, I think the Johnny Depp side of that, uh, understood that better and, and, um, presented that, uh, better in a way that their clients came off with a lot of momentum being built on social media. And I think they, um, you know, harvested that to their benefit and, and you know, a lot of times perception is reality. And so I think the more they did that in the public eye, I think that translated because you cannot stop, even though they're instructed not to follow social media, jurors will always follow social media. It's just, it's just in front of everybody. So it is a way to get a, an idea across or, um, you know, have your client perceived in such a way uh, outside of the courtroom that will still have an impact in the courtroom. And I, and I think that, um, social media has changed the way we present cases because attorneys need to now be very savvy in the public relations area. You know, it's not just enough to be an attorney in the courtroom. You need to understand the ramifications of how things are going to play in social media, how to use social media to the benefit of your client um and how to how to protect yourself from the negatives that can be targeted toward your clients uh, in the social media and be and be ready for that um when we prepare for a trial um it starts at day one when we first meet the client you know it's uh everything you build a theme every case has a theme and i like to think of it as uh, you know getting back to you know entertainment and media and and, and movies I think every case, especially when you're talking about trials, but even in transactions, but, but specifically in trials, it plays out like a movie. I mean, it, you have to have a theme and you have to be able, people have to understand why things are happening. What's the motivation, you know, why in, and in doing that, when you build a theme, everything else, um, all your strategies, everything you do plays off of that theme and should support that theme. You know, and so I think everyone's so used to also, you know, dealing with social media and, you know, little sound bites and attention spans are getting smaller that you'd need to be very specific in how you present your case. I mean, graphics is a very big deal. Uh, clips, um, people are, I think jurors are becoming more visual in the way they learn and, and retain information. So you have to, the spoken word isn't as, as good as I think, uh, we do a lot graphically and with, um, uh, whether it's, uh, PowerPoint presentations or actual graphics that we have prepared different graphs and, and, and different picture themes of how your, your case plays out really helps people understand the case. And they have to, people also have to understand why something is happening and you know, I, I give jurors a lot of credit because they're, they're 12 people usually off the street who have no background on the case you're presenting. It's usually a very complex issue and you have to 
find a way to simplify it in such a way that you can tell the story that is understandable to 12 people who have no background in what, whether I'm talking about copyright or whether I'm talking about a real estate deal, whatever it may be, it has to get down to a very simple explanation. And I think when you come up with a theme, you, you, that helps you and you carry it through all the way. That's when you, I think are, are most, um, uh, victorious and, and beneficial to your client. And I think, you know, just looking again at the Johnny Depp case, I think you saw sometimes in that case, you know, it, it kind of meandered and you didn't know really where it was. And I, I, I think, uh, there could have been a better, um, definition of what the theme was and, and they, and they could have stuck to that better and kept certain things outside and stay, you know, kept focus on the theme rather than letting things go in different directions. You know, what, with all that said, what is one of the more difficult cases uh, that you've handled? Uh, well, personally, I had a case that um, has been very, it's, it's followed very closely in the entertainment media space, especially um, it went up on the appellate court. Um, I was the trial lead trial lawyer for a case called Ladd versus Warner Brothers. And it was a leading uh, participation case, accounting case that had to do with TV licensing fees paid and how they're allocated to a group of films that my producer client had prepared. And these were all major films, Blade Runner, Chariots of Fire, uh, The Right Stuff, Police Academy movies. And the reason why it was most, it, the, the issues were difficult. It was a hard, hard fought trial. It was a month long trial, um, in a jury, we got a 12 0 jury verdict in our favor, but the most difficult thing about it was my client was my father-in-law. And so I would, uh, as I turned to my associate at the beginning of the uh, case, and we always, you know, like to, uh, you know, <laughs> give a pep talk at the beginning of the trial, I turned to my, uh, associate and I said, okay. We really need to win this case because if we don't win this case, Thanksgiving's going to stink for the rest of my life. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we ended up winning the case, uh, in a very significant, uh, trial, uh, and, and, and it, it was, um, it was a leading case on, uh, how allocation of licensing fees is done. Also, um, interpretation of bad faith and some contract, um, cases that has implications to other areas of the law. And it's, it was a, it was a, a decision that was, uh, published and, and relied upon, um, to this day. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting case, but it, it was my most difficult Alan to really, because of the dynamic, the personal dynamics involved, but I did learn something there because, um, you know, at one point I thought, and the reason why I took the case in the first place, obviously to help my father while out, but I thought it was going to be a case that would settle right away because it should have settled. And sometimes your, your opposing party makes those decisions easy for you because during the negotiations, uh, resolving it before litigation, um, it went nowhere. They, they offered us little or no money, uh, basically telling us we had no chance of winning, um, and they should just, we should just take their, um, you know, their very small offer. So the, the offer was so small, the decision to go forward was, was a very easy one. And I also learned a lot from my father-in-law in that case was that, you know, sometimes I'm also reluctant to, you know, walk a client into trial because sometimes clients 
well, one, you have to look at the economics of the deal. Uh, it doesn't make sense to go into trial for what the, the payout will be. And also emotionally, is it going to be worthwhile for the client? You know, you have to look at it from that perspective. Is it going to be too much of a distraction? And, um, you know, I give my father a lot of credit because he actually held to his, his principles and he said, no, this is not right what they're doing. We're going to go for it. I'm always a little reluctant when clients say, you know, I'm doing this on principle because sometimes they, they uh, change their principles at some point, but he truly was that way. And he said, uh, no, this needs to be This needs to go forward. And, um, so he, he kind of gave me the, uh, the go ahead to do it. And it, it worked out very well. What trends are you seeing in law today? Well, uh, you know, lately we've been seeing a lot of uh, decisions coming out of the Supreme Court. So I think we're going to see a lot of social issues that are going to be litigated and regulated, whether it's, you know, the recent Dobbs case uh, with social uh, issues at stake. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of um, uh, areas of social interest that will be forefront uh, for the courts. Also, technology has been uh, a big one. We've been getting a lot of matters involving NFTs, cryptocurrency, um, digital rights, uh, and and that cuts across many different industries. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many industries the the change in technology really um, factors in, and and really what it comes down to. A lot of the contracts that parties entered into over the last. You know, you can go back 30 years that, you know, we litigate and, and deal with, uh, agreements that go back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, but also even contracts that go back 10 years did not necessarily contemplate the change in technologies. And, and it's changing so fast that you have to really see if a contract was done properly to, uh, capture all the different technologies. And so we see a lot of disputes, uh, as to what actual rights a party may have based on new formats that are being, um, you know, uh, used and utilized and who owns the rights to that. We're also seeing, um, in the entertainment media space, a lot of, um, I'll call legacy copyrighted works. Um, you know, Disney happens to be one that, um, holds a lot of legacy characters and now there's a, a copyright termination uh process that was put in place so you're seeing after 35 years the original authors have the right to terminate their rights and get a chance to claw back the rights that they have in these characters so many characters that we all know and associate with particular studios or other uh, other uh, ip holders um, are now being clawed back and you're seeing that being a big trend in, uh, specifically in the entertainment area. Yeah. John, I appreciate you being with us today. It's, it's, uh, you have a remarkable legacy. Uh, people can look you up on the internet, but let's say that someone says, Hey, I really got to get a hold of John, uh, for a legal issue that I'm going through and not that you're you're in one of a lot of new clients, but because of your demand, but how would a person go about finding you and contacting you? Sure. Uh, I am uh, a partner at Loeb & Loeb. Uh, we are a major uh, national law firm, full service, 
Um, I do work across the, um, the areas of, uh, some transactions and also, um, uh, litigation and, and, and the, like I say, business litigation of all areas, but also an emphasis in the, uh, intellectual property rights and entertainment media space. And, uh, the great thing about my firm, Loeb and Loeb, is that I have so many talented colleagues that I have many clients and many, um, you know, people come to know who I am, will contact me for a matter or an issue. If it's something I can't handle, I guarantee you there are uh, my partners and colleagues at Loeb and Loeb who are specialized in all areas. So on many cases, in fact, I have one recently that I'm working on that, um, I directed, uh, a client, uh, with a very specific issue, a legal issue to a client of mine, uh, or to a uh, colleague of mine who's handling it and, and doing, doing an excellent job. So we, we work that way as well. So, you know, I'm at Loeb and Loeb in Los Angeles. And, uh, as I say, we're national in scope. So we handle, and I handle matters uh, all across the country and some international as well. All right, John, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Alan. It's been my pleasure.